welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to My Favorite Coffee Story. We have such a wonderful show today. And before I introduce our very special guest, John Maltz, we have our Anikona Farm moment. And I thought I'd share with our listeners all around the world, hello to you in Ireland and, of course, all across the U.S. and our friends in California and Texas and Seattle and and Russia and South Africa and Australia. I'd love to bring you to the farm with us right now. It's a very special time at Anikona Farm on the Big Island of Hawaii in Halualoa, right above Kona Town. It's harvest season, and we're starting to pick our next harvest. And when we are ready, those red cherries, we call them cherries, the the coffee is ready to pick. We pick each one by hand. And what I thought I'd share with you, what's really unique about this time as you stroll through our farm and all of our, the terroir right now, you can hear it's coffee picking season because everyone has, you know, this front bucket on and you hear these sounds of the coffee beans hitting into your bucket. So as you meander through the farms, you hear this tink, 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 and you know it's coffee season. Of course, there might be some music playing, etc. And it's it's just a wonderful time. It's a very festive time. So that's what we're doing right now at Anikona Farm. So let's start talking about striking black gold from oil to coffee. We have our wonderful guest, John Moltz, joining us. He's a petroleum engineer at Longquist and Company. He uh, consults in petroleum engineering. And Longquist does an amazing job with their various worldwide clients. They're often helping develop effective and efficient petroleum energy and mining energy solutions, engineering solutions all around the world. So we'd like to welcome you, John Moltz, to My Favorite Coffee Story. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Very excited to be on the show. We are so happy you're here, and we can't wait to hear all about petroleum engineering and how you got involved in that. And we thought we'd share with our listeners about your early days and some of your growing up days, family times in Austin, Texas, please. Yeah, so grew up in Austin, Texas. Uh, I was born and raised there. Um, uh, childhood consisted mostly of spent almost all my time outdoors, which Austin is a great place for, um, whether it was down the green belt, swimming in the creek, or trips to the lake. Um, so yeah, and I had a father who was an engineer at one point in time moved on to be an attorney so he uh, brought me up with the kind of thinking and um, all that goes into being an engineer and so learned a lot of that from him and I grew up wanting to be a lot like that oh that sounds like wonderful family times and, and good moments there in Austin by chance, um, how did you decide to go to Texas A&M University in 2014? Well, so I knew I wanted to do engineering. Um, at the time, I was applying for universities. I wasn't 
set on petroleum yet, but A&M was the perfect distance from Austin for me. It's a uh, 100 miles, uh, about a two-hour drive from where I grew up. So it was close enough to where I could come back any weekend I wanted to, but I was still far enough from home to where I felt like I was going out on my own and you know, could make new friends and a new place and have my own journey. And it's also a very good school for engineering, which made the decision a little easier Um it's actually the number one school in the world for petroleum engineering. So lucky I ended up going there and doing that. That's fantastic, John. Were there some favorite classes that you'd like to share, some some mentors along the way? Yeah, so one of my favorite classes I took was my junior year, and it was called Petroleum Project Evaluation. And the the whole point of the class is to take a step back from you know, the nitty-gritty engineering and you know, look at projects as a whole and look at the economics of projects. <clears throat> and I liked it so much because it was, you know, for the first time, you can look at it from a management perspective almost. And um, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. And it was actually taught by... A uh, woman named Kathy Sleva, and I actually now work in the same office as her husband, Glenn Sleva. Really? Yeah, that so is pretty funny. So fun. Yeah. That's so fun. You know, it's it's fun that we're doing this show together. We were just thinking, you know, sometimes people even refer to coffee as is maybe black gold or sort of fuel or energy, et cetera. And we thought, oh, there are so many parallels. It's just so fun to have you on the show today. I was wondering, did you have any favorite coffee stories while you were attending university there at Texas A&M? Yeah, well, I definitely attribute a little bit of my success in college to coffee. Um, I didn't drink coffee at all until my first semester in college. And you you start having those late night study sessions and you know, weeks where you got tests every day and you're you know, staying up late every night. And you know, when I first started drinking coffee, I actually didn't like it at all. It was more <laughs> of a necessity at first. And then, you know, after drinking coffee on a semi-regular basis for a few weeks, I started to really like it and I still do. Um, so yeah, it was, kind of a funny transition between going from drinking coffee out of necessity to drinking it because I enjoy it. And you enjoy one of my, one of my favorite places that my girlfriend and I would go is a little, uh, coffee shop. It's about, you know, right down the street from where we live. It's a real original place called Tweet Eugene's. And it's one of our favorite places to go, whether we were studying or just hanging out. And taking a break from studying. That sounds really wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I was curious. So it sounds like you had really great classes, and certainly Texas A&M was uh, just a really great school for engineering. What was it about petroleum engineering that then you decided to pursue a, a bachelor's degree in petroleum engineering that really caught you? Well, I think it's... Uh, 
kind of think everything about it fascinating from just the fact that you know, all of petroleum engineering is centered around things that are going on a couple miles beneath your feet. And so it's, you know, it's almost like a big puzzle. And even the best petroleum engineer doesn't know exactly what's going on at the bottom of the oil well. And so, you know, it's really being a good petroleum engineer is just having the best guess at what you think is going on way down below the ground. And I also think that, you know, oil and gas itself are, you know, going to nerd out for a second. I think it's really cool um, just the fact that, you know, one gallon of gasoline can move your two-ton truck 20 miles down the road. It has so much energy in it. It's you know, very similar to coffee. You drink one cup of coffee and it gives you energy to you know, do your whole day. So true. And it is fascinating to think of what's going on there below us and in the earth. And of course, it's so vital to our our well-being and, and all that we need energy for. So I, I think it was fantastic that you ended up getting a degree in petroleum engineering. And what led up to that is also interesting because you had various experiences. For example, you worked for air and concrete and you did some road I guess you were maybe some part of the road crew please share with us about that yeah so that was that was a summer job in high school um actually I have a good friend uh family friends the Cabazas who own air and concrete and yeah so I was doing pretty much a manual labor job uh for three summers and it consisted of um, you know, be on the job you know, before the sun comes up and then depending on what we were doing either um, a lot of shoveling asphalt or working on curbs um, and so really what I took away from all of it is the value of an education because the people I was working with were mostly uneducated and meaning most of them didn't graduate high school. And, you know, I had a couple dozen people tell me probably since I was still in high school, you know, school is extremely important, you know, finish school, that should come before anything else. And, you know, because, you know, they saw that I was still young, so I had plenty of opportunity to go on and do something like be an engineer. So it was definitely a motivating factor that I wanted to be able to work in an office job, hopefully after I graduated school. That does sound like an inspiring time and what a great experience and how it it also helped you realize that, you know, in life you, you end up doing a great job, whatever it really entails, because then you went on and you became an intern, an engineering intern at Longquist and Company, and you did a variety of projects also as a laboratory technician, um, I guess maybe in their frack and sand lab. Tell us a little bit about how those experiences went. Yeah, so I, um, I was some in the office that summer and spent about half the summer in their lab. And the, the lab's actually, it's really interesting because I feel like it's a part of petroleum engineering that most people have no idea exists. 
so what we did at the lab was, uh, so when you do fracking, um, how it works is you pump a bunch of fluid down the well, and in the fluid, you add a bunch of sand. And so what I did that whole summer pretty much was test sand. Uh, the big sand lab, um, we tested everything from <clears throat> how clean the sand was to what it was made out of to the size of the individual grains. And you know, it was really interesting learning about the, that side of it's kind of behind the scenes of what goes into fracking. Absolutely. And, and it sounds like then you did such a great job when you graduated, then you started working as a petroleum engineer at Longquist in, in May of 2018. I bet you're pretty excited about that. And how were some of your first initial days and in projects? Yeah, it was very exciting. And yeah, I think the reason I think that I actually ended up getting to stay on full time is because they tasked me with creating a database for the lab. And so I got to show that I could go above and beyond a little bit past just testing the sand to taking a real problem, which was all of the, this test data for the sand and figuring out something to do with it. So it was a pretty interesting transition from intern to full-time employee. Um, so after my internship, uh, they actually moved the sand lab to College Station, which was the town I was going to school in. So I was able to keep working there while I was uh, going to school for my last year. And uh, one of my, well, most of what I worked on during that period of time was 3D printing. And so a little bit of background, uh, a lot of what we do at Longquist and Company is underground storage of oil and gas. So yes. there's these big underground um, caverns that actually store oil and gas in. So while I was in school, uh, I got to 3D print little models of these caverns. That's so interesting. And I'm sure they really found your database invaluable and you did such an amazing job with that John and it sounds like the transition went really well because you had already worked for them and they really appreciated all your good work so it sounds like it was a perfect fit Um, I was curious before before we go to break John how you would describe like a typical day there at Longquist and Company maybe how you work together with the team with some of the other consultants and possibly Uh, how some of those meetings go when you do have meetings and by chance is there coffee involved? Yeah, so I think our office is um, it's pretty different than a normal petroleum engineering office because we are consultants. So that means that we have at any given time, um, I'm probably working on, right now I'm probably have a, part in 10 or 12 different projects. So um, every day uh, I'm kind of switching back and forth between different things all the time. And it keeps it really interesting. Uh, You don't ever look at one thing for too long and get pulled off and start working on something else. And the the meetings are, 
I, I like the way that we do meetings a lot because they're very to the point and um, it's definitely a part of the culture of the company where if we're going to have a meeting, it you know, shouldn't be more than 15 minutes long and kind of get done what we need to get done. And everybody definitely brings in their cup of coffee and sips on it while we talk. And if we ever have clients in, that's the first thing we offer them is a cup of coffee as soon as they get in the door. <laughs> well, that's always welcoming. And it sounds like you have a great team there at Longquist and Company. And I'm sure they really appreciate all your good consulting efforts as well. So when we go, we're going to the break right now, listeners. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more with John Moltz. He's a petroleum engineer at Longquist and Company. We're going to talk a little bit more about some of their current projects, what it what it has been like living in Austin, Texas, and now Denver, Colorado, as we just love hearing about the importance of finding oil. Um, what that entails, consulting with clients around the world to make sure that you know they have some real effective and efficient petroleum engineering solutions. So listeners, please join us right after the break. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvin Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to my favorite coffee story. 
We have such a special guest with us, John Maltz. He's a petroleum engineer, and he consults with Longquist and Company in petroleum engineering. And Longquist and Company helps worldwide clients develop effective, efficient petroleum engineering and mining engineering solutions. And our show is all about striking black gold from oil to coffee, as we've been talking with John. So listeners, we're so glad you're with us today. We were just chatting with John about his early days, how he got involved in petroleum engineering, some of his his favorite classes at Texas and A&M University in 2014 through 2018, how he started working for Longquist and Company, some of his experiences that led up to that. And we were just going to ask John about some of his current projects he's working on. He hinted that he has like a variety of consulting projects going on at the same time. Maybe, John, you could share with us, what are some of those projects you're working on? Yeah, so... um See where to start. Uh, what I've been working on early this week is we have a lot of disposal wells that we do all of the permitting for. And so these are uh, wells for injecting salt water back into the ground. Um, and so a lot of salt water is actually produced with oil and gas that comes up out of the ground with it. And so... Okay. Um, Rather than clean up the salt water, which is really expensive and difficult to do, we just put it right back in the ground. So I've been working on designing several of those wells. Um, that sounds like it's really important, and it also seems like a very efficient way to help um, with that salt water. How would you um, describe what it, it's like living in Denver, Colorado? It's been great so far. It's actually been a really easy adjustment from Austin. Uh, the town, Denver itself, is about the same size as Austin. Uh, same kind of culture and feel. And the weather's been much nicer than it's been in Austin, which is I've appreciated. I think loading up the moving truck in Austin, it was about 105 degrees and... humidity and then unloading the truck here it was 75 80 degrees and almost no humidity so that's been really nice and you had mentioned in your early days and family times growing up times how you loved being outside and spent a lot of time in the outdoors and it seems like Denver Colorado is a perfect place for that I can imagine you have a lot of fun living there, and it's so beautiful and nature-oriented. Have you by chance explored some of the coffee cafes there? Do you have a favorite yet? Yeah, I've been to a few. Uh, There was one that I actually went to the first time I came to Denver. I've been back a few times since. It's called Whittier Cafe, and it's an Ethiopian uh, coffee cafe, so... All the coffee is Ethiopian, and they have a lot of their profits go towards um, organizations that they partner with that help aid people in Ethiopia. So it's a really cool place and really good coffee. Uh, Having uh, African coffee is something I wasn't used to. No, Ethiopian coffee is so delicious, and and it is known that it is kind of the birthplace of coffee, so I can imagine that they provide delicious coffee there at that cafe. 
And, you know, as you're exploring Denver, Colorado and spending more time there, I know that Longquist and Company has a variety of offices. How did you end up in Denver? So it was actually just convenient timing for the most part, I think. Um, they opened, we opened the Denver office about a month after I graduated from A&M. <clears throat> so there's four of us up here in the new office. And yeah, I think they needed somebody up here and wanted to bring me on at the same time. And I was excited about Denver. So it just worked out really well that way. That sounds like it was perfect timing for you. And and uh, it does sound like it is working out really well. I was curious for our listeners, you know, there's so much equipment involved in petroleum engineering, and you were even mentioning fracking and et cetera. How would you describe the situation today? Like, what is considered state-of-the-art equipment in petroleum engineering? What does that look like? Well, so petroleum engineering is really interesting because it's, yeah. It hasn't been around that long uh, relative to other engineering disciplines. And so the industry is evolving all the time. Um, you know, 10 years ago, uh, we just started um, fracking, really. And so, say, the latest and greatest uh, technology is probably the big horizontal wells that are uh, in shale that are being fracked and so these wells will be about two miles deep and then two miles deep vertically and then they'll go another two miles or so horizontally and then they'll be uh, fracked all the way down the horizontal section. And these are huge wells that are producing massive amounts of oil. And instead of drilling uh, you know, three or four or five vertical wells, you just drill one of these big, long, horizontal wells, and it uh, costs about twice as much as one vertical well, but can produce you know, four or five times as much oil. So a big advancements in efficiency and how many wells we're having to drill to get the same amount of oil out of the ground. I had no idea that that was two miles down, and then, of course, horizontally as well. And that is quite massive. Uh, I can't even imagine how one drills that deep. How does how? What's the equipment that allows you to to drill <laughs> two miles down? Oh, very very fancy, expensive drill bits, really. And oh my! Yeah, you can go through say a normal drill bit. You know, I don't quote me on it, but I believe is between. You know, it can be from anywhere from fifty to a hundred thousand dollars for a single drill bit, and you can burn through a drill bit in one well. Wow, that well, and I know that Longquist and Company is involved not only in petroleum engineering, but they do a variety of other engineering solutions as well. Uh, might you sort of have a little bit of visibility into some of the other things they're working on at Longquist and Company? Yeah, so we're actually pretty unique in the fact that we do pretty much anything and everything having to do with oil and gas engineering. So you know, we do everything from so drilling wells and hydraulic fracturing and everything like that all the way to um, 
underground storage, which I mentioned a little bit earlier, which not yes. a whole lot of people do. So, yeah, we do, and everything in between. And you certainly you take that on a global scale, which is just fascinating. How would you describe currently some of the global projects that are going on at Longquist and Company? So I've yet to be involved in anything outside of the U.S. I hope to soon, but that we do work in, we work all over the world. Uh, and I know one of our biggest projects that we've had recently is a large salt mine in Morocco. So you know, wow. my boss has gotten to go over to Tangier in Morocco and visit several times recently. And you know, so it was really interesting. Uh, oil and gas is something universal. And I hope to work with people outside of the U.S. more in the coming months. I, I can imagine. And that's fascinating in Tangier that that's going on. It sounds like since these are such global projects and the scale of them that, you know, sometimes there's collaboration and, and how we might share some of the technologies across borders, et cetera. How, do, how does Longquist actually, you know, spend time in some of these countries and send people abroad? I wonder that'll be kind of interesting when you end up doing that yourself as well. <laughs> yeah, so we definitely send people abroad. Uh, more, I believe, to meet with clients abroad than to actually work out in the field abroad. Um, we send a lot of people out actually into the oil field in the United States. Um, so any uh, actual well locations um, that we're working on, a lot of times we'll have a guy on site making sure everything's going smoothly. And so that's something that I'm definitely uh, going to get to do in the next year or so is go out on the actual uh, job site for some of these wells we're working on. And I got to do that for a week last summer as an intern. I got to go to beautiful Midland, Texas and um, work out there for a little bit. Well, I know, I can imagine that they really appreciate working with you and your style is, is very pleasant. And it also probably gives you the visibility as to what really is going on. So you can kind of balance your time when you're in the office and kind of consulting, but also sort of that where it's all hands-on and you can kind of see how some of the solutions are really then being initiated. And so that must be really interesting. How would you describe, John, some of what you've had sort of experience with recently? What are some of the key challenges or some of the biggest challenges in petroleum engineering projects in general? So in general, um, it's really just the fact that everything's a little bit of a mystery as to what's going on underground. Um, right. Uh, one of the guys that uh, works in the Denver office with me does workovers, which is when you have an old well that isn't functioning properly and you, know, you want to fix it up essentially, uh, give it an overhaul. And so he's working with 
wells that were drilled, you know, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And, you know, he doesn't know how they're originally drilled in the first place. Right. And he's trying to figure out what exactly is going on, you know, several thousand feet down hole. And you know, we have a lot of different tools and equipment for trying to figure out exactly what's going on. But, you know, you, no matter how many times you drop a different tool down the hole, you don't really know exactly what's going on down there. That mystery element, though, kind of also adds sort of intrigue as well when you're working on this and you try and pull together all the data that you have and what are some of those indicators that something might be there or et cetera. And until you start really either drilling or working on it, it must be fascinating to go, oh, we were we were on track. You know, all those parameters that we were thinking about really made a difference and so it'll be interesting as you evolve in your career how you start finessing all those parameters and input as you consult with clients. I can imagine that'll be really exciting. Yeah, it is very exciting. And it's something I like a lot about what I do is um, you, know, you can go to school and learn all about this stuff, but until you really work with it a lot, you don't get that intuition to where you can solve those mysteries and puzzles. So it's good to have a lot of experienced people around that I can learn from who have been doing this for a really long time. Well, that's really exciting. And John, before we go to break, I was wondering if we could talk a little bit more, I guess in general, sort of, global trends right now in energy and and I know you're focusing a lot on petroleum and oil and also Longquist focused a lot on gas what would you say in a just a few comments what does like the global energy market look like or trend look like what what is everyone focusing on right now well energy in general um it's still very centered around the whole shale revolution and, and now with fracking um, and this new technology we have, we've been able to get produce oil and gas much more efficiently and cost-effectively. But a lot of oil and gas companies definitely are um, trying to get their foot in the door into the renewable energy sector and yeah, even you know, the most stubborn petroleum engineer is still very excited about renewable energy and clean energy. So um, that's definitely a growing field and something that I hope uh, takes more of a hold in the future. Very true. And I can imagine that Longquist is certainly also starting to get into that area or considering and you know, it's certainly just part of augmenting our energy resources and trying to be smart with things that are renewable. So that'll be really interesting as maybe your career starts evolving and in which directions you head. And um, in the meantime, I think it's fascinating all about the latest trends in petroleum engineering and that you're on the forefront and working with a variety of clients. So listeners, when we come back after the break, and we've had such a nice chat with John Maltz, petroleum engineer at Longquist & Company, 
we're going to talk a little bit more about what John likes to do when he's possibly not working on petroleum engineering consulting projects. So please join us right after the break. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We have such a fun show. We're talking with John Maltz. He's a petroleum engineer, and the name of our show today is Striking Black Gold from Oil to Coffee. And we were sharing stories about how John might be going on location or maybe on travel to other parts of the world as he consults with clients to come up with efficient and effective petroleum engineering solutions for Longquist and Company. And I was curious for our listeners, uh, John, we talked about how you are now living in Denver, Colorado. What are some of the fun things that you like to do or hobbies when you're not working or doing petroleum engineering? Yeah, so when I lived in Austin, uh, my favorite thing to do was to go to the lake, um, to Lake Austin, uh, right by where I live. So trying to find new, fun, out, outdoor things to do in Denver. So this last weekend, I went hiking to Chief Mountain. Um, it's about 45 minutes from where I live, so not far at all. At all. Um, so I'm excited to do a lot of hiking and as soon as it starts snowing, excited to do some skiing. Um, I've always loved skiing, but it's always been a 15, 16-hour drive up here to do it. So I'm excited okay. to be able to go to the mountains in the weekend and do some skiing. That'll be so wonderful, John. And um, you'll be exploring some of those great ski areas close by to Denver. And, of course, all the hiking and, and just enjoying all the nature, I can imagine that'll be just a really fun place to live. Um, when you're 
so you have a very busy day, and I know you're consulting with several several clients at a time, and you also are great at being, you know, good to your friends and spending time uh, with with your family, etc. How how do you balance your time, John, with everything? So, yeah, it's been a big transition, definitely between. Uh, you know, I got really good at balancing my time while I was in school, but then once you start working a full-time job, it's uh, completely different, and you have to, you know, figure it out all over again. So, uh, I've had actually quite a bit more time living in Denver um, since I moved up here alone. So, I've had a lot of time to you know, do anything I want to do really. It's been nice. I actually started learning piano recently uh, by oh, keyboard. Okay. Yeah, but, and, you know, another good thing about, thing I appreciate about my job is it's, uh, since we're all consultants, uh, it feels a little bit more like you're your own boss. You know, even though I just started, um, you know, nobody's really watching me too closely or anything. So if I need to fly to Austin, you know, back home to see family on a Friday morning, uh, I can. And it's pretty easy. I just have to make sure all my stuff gets done. It's a little bit like it's a little more responsibility, but with it comes a little bit more freedom. That's nice that you have that flexibility. And I'm sure that you have that flexibility because you do a great job in making sure that you balance your time and you get your projects done. So that leads me to the thought of consulting projects. They involve certainly meeting with the client and then coming up with some solutions together, learning about what their challenges are how you then figure out how long it'll take for them to implement the solution, the cost, et cetera. How do you manage those consulting projects? Is there like project management software you use or um, is there a certain thing that Longquist has that's um, their own application that helps you manage that? Well, yeah, so we, well, each, each project has an engineer that the project is assigned to. It's almost like each project has an owner and so that engineer, at the end of the day, is responsible for um, talking with the client, you know, making sure things get done, even if they aren't necessarily the one doing most of the work on the project. And so as, as I'm just out of school and starting out, uh, I don't have any projects of my own yet, um, kind of starting to ease into that. So I've been working on projects that are managed by other people so far, but yeah, it's a, it's definitely a challenge when you get a new project to come up with a timeline and try and uh, give the client a cost for how much you think it's going to end up costing. So for big projects, we'll uh, write a proposal and in that we'll outline um, how many hours we think it's going to take and what we're going to bill for those hours and then if it's something like uh, drilling a well then we'll come up with a whole plan and include all the costs for equipment um, anything like that and then are you also suggesting where that equipment can come from do you help the client with that as well yeah so 
yeah, for example, if, if we have a client that we're going to, like these disposal wells I've been working on, um, if we're going to drill a disposal well for someone, we'll come up with a day-by-day drilling schedule. You know, that'll include um, you know, down to the hour almost. It's uh, pretty tedious, um, exactly what we plan on doing and all the equipment we're going to use and who we're going to get it from and we'll get quotes from all the different vendors to try and get a really good plan. And so with a lot of these projects, you know, all, by the time we actually start, uh, every bit of the planning is done. And at that point, it's just a matter of following the schedule and trying to stay on track and avoid any big problems. Well, I can imagine you're, you're very organized about that and, and you're very diligent about making sure that milestones are kept and I, I can imagine you're doing a great job with that. So as you, we've talked about some of your consulting projects and, and we've also shared with our listeners how, how you work together as a team on some of these consulting projects in petroleum engineering and some of the trends that are going on globally in energy, et cetera. How would you describe, John, sort of how you envision or, or maybe some dreams that you might have, either professionally or personally? Yeah, well, uh, say dreams for my career. Um, yeah, I would love to, not anytime soon, but later in my career, uh, I branch out on my own a little bit or with some other people and start my own company. Um, I have a couple of role, role models that I work with who have done that. Um, you know, Dick Longquist, a uh, good example, um, started Longquist & Co. after he had gotten quite a bit of experience and knew what he was doing. And so something like that would definitely be a dream of mine to you know, be able to acquire the knowledge and skills uh, to be able to do something like that. I can picture that happening for you, John. And it sounds like how Mr. Longquist did start his company. He he also is a good example of how that can be done and what some of his values were and or are as he runs the company or maybe he's, he's handed it over. How would um, you would say, if you were to branch out, what would be some of those values that you might want to bring into your own company? Yeah, well, that's glad you mentioned that because I've learned uh, a lot of good values from him, and they're very apparent in the culture of the company as soon as as I started working here. Um, And the biggest of those, I'd say, number one is probably loyalty. Uh, You know, that's something that if you ask somebody that knows uh, Mr. Longquist well will say that that's something he really values. Um, you know, he has all these employees who are very loyal to him and appreciate all the opportunities he's provided and who want to do the best they can at their job, um, almost to return a favor. And yeah, I mean, other things, just, uh, transparency, um, important thing with being an engineer is, uh, you know, if you 
Yeah. If you don't know exactly what you're doing, don't act like you do. And (laughs) (laughs) ask somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. Um, Yeah, I think that honesty is so important in everything that we do. And I can imagine the transparency and the honesty and, and, you know, having a collaborative nature, you will definitely always be an example of all that. And that's so exciting about your dream. And thank you for sharing that. Would you also uh, have maybe some dreams on a more personal basis that you might like to share, please? Yeah. um, Yeah. I had a dream very recently. It came true of getting a job after graduation, which... Um, for the last, for most of my, uh, college career was, uh, pretty, um, no, it was definitely a challenge because the, right after I joined the, uh, petroleum engineering program, the price of oil dropped from, you know, over a hundred dollars barrel to, you know, around 30 and, when that happened, half the, you know, a lot of petroleum engineers got laid off and nobody was hiring. So very thankful that right around the time I graduated, uh, price of oil went up considerably and people started hiring some more again. So very thankful for the job I have now and I was able to you know, have a job straight out of school. And as far as the next... Uh, several years. Um, my more immediate goals are uh, you know, planning on getting married in the next few years and you know, after that, starting a family and all of those things, but it's a little bit down the road. Well, we wish you all the best, John, as you embark on your professional and your personal life And thank you for sharing all your stories with us. I guess um, before we close, I'd love to ask you one last question. If you were to predict, since we were talking how petroleum engineering, there's sort of a mystery element to it. If we could just ask you how you would describe petroleum engineering, how it would evolve in the next decade, what would that look like? Yeah, that's very exciting question to ask it's it's changing all the time and you know who knows what exactly is next the technology is getting better all the time and you know say more than half of the oil that we're producing right now we weren't able to get to 15 years ago um but as whatever happens the demand is always going to be there uh you know, the increase in demand for energy is you know, growing so rapidly that even with um, how quickly renewable energy is increasing, the demand for energy is increasing much faster than renewable energy can catch up with. So demand's always increasing. So you know, engineers are going to keep coming up with new solutions to more efficiently and effectively get oil and gas out of the ground. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what comes next. 
And you're going to be such a big part of that, John. And we're so grateful to you for taking us into that next decade and being able to supply the energy that the world really needs. So thank you for that. And we wish you all the best as you as you embark upon your career. And thank you for sharing all about petroleum engineering and for being with us today on My Favorite Coffee Story. John, it's been such an honor to have you. Thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed it. Well, we enjoyed it. And your stories are really inspiring. And we, uh, we learned a lot about how you can take your dream and you can work hard in school and you can and then embark upon, you know, this, this whole new petroleum engineering career, which you're, you're doing and you'll have such a big impact on for future generations. So thank you so much. And for listeners, thank you again for joining us on My Favorite Coffee Story and, and being with us today and sharing stories from oil to coffee, sharing about black gold. And sometimes we think about, you know, oil is black gold, but sometimes we even say coffee is black gold or fuel or energy. So it was fun to kind of share the, the parallels about that and learn a little bit more about petroleum engineering, about energy on a global scale and current projects and trends from John Maltz. And of course, if you'd like to have our Anikona gift, you can go to anikona.com or any questions. We'd love to hear from you and continue the conversation. You can always send those to orders at anikona.com. So thank you again for joining us on My Favorite Coffee Story. It's always so wonderful when we're together. And we wish you all the best. And of course, we send you a wonderful aloha. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week. 